0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. Good to see you all again. And it's our first preview show of the season because Arsenal Take on Nottingham Forest tomorrow in their Premier League opener at Emirates Stadium. We're going to be looking into that. We're going to be previewing that fixture. We're going to be talking lineups. We're going to be talking Mikel Arteta's press conference. We're going to be discussing uh, what we can expect from the game, what kind of optimism and and what kind of feelings the new season brings. Uh, We're going to be doing all of that. We're also going to touch on some of the transfer news that has been doing the rounds over the past 24 hours as well, including an update on where Arsenal stand with regards to doing further business between now and the end of the window. So we're going to do all of that on this show. Look, it is predominantly going to be a preview show, but how can we not talk about Harry Kane? How can we not talk about the Moises Caicedo situation as it unfolds in front of our eyes? There is so, so much to get into today. I'm really, really looking forward to this edition of the podcast. Let me say a few hellos before we dive into the content itself. Um, (laughs) Some great stuff in here. Uh, Mickey Morris says, what's up, dude? I get a rare chance to catch you live and I have to wait on you. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Um, I was just checking on my internet connection because I keep getting these funny colored lights popping up on my router. um, And the Wi-Fi dips in and out. I think, Touchwood." When we're on the hardwired connection, we seem to be okay. So fingers crossed we don't have any problems uh, with that during the show. Now I've said it, it it will be a problem. Uh, What else have we got? Owen Young is on his way to the UK. He says, flight leaves at 6 a.m., ritualistic airport pint at 5 a.m., smash forest, uh, tolly for sups, and then a live show on Sunday. What a weekend ahead. And that's a great uh, segue into me reminding you about the Guna Talk TV's live show, which is coming up on Sunday, the day after the game, of course, at the Mildmay Club uh, in London, N16. The doors open at 5pm. The show starts at 6. Tom Canton, of course, heading it all up. The main man behind all of this, it's his live event. I'm really, really delighted. I'm really honoured to have been asked to take a part in it. It'll be myself, FK from The Latte Firm, Mike Feinberg from The Guna's Pod, and Bailey Keo from Your Boys on the panel. If you want to get tickets to this, there are still tickets available. You can get them via the link in the description of this video. Head over there, get yourself involved. It's going to be a great afternoon, uh, evening, whatever you want to call it. Afternoon, evening. Where does the five o'clock thing fall into um <laughs> into the um into the equation? Anyway, uh what else have we got in the live chat? Um there's a comment about my cap. There's a couple of comments about my cap. So basically, I'm having a terrible hair day. I haven't fixed it yet. I'm going out later, so I'm going to do it later on. So just grabbed whatever cap I could find. Now, a lot of you will know that I went to work at the UEFA Champions League final. So I had to buy some sort of souvenir, right? Um, It was my first big event like that covering a game. And obviously, I wasn't supporting Manchester City, was I? So I bought a cap of the opposition side with the Champions League stuff on it. Uh, what a random question from Robski. What's your favorite kebab shop in N21, and 14 area? N21 would be Winchmore Hill. So i will probably go Vine Leaf. It's pretty good. N14, I think is Southgate. I'd have to venture out to Oakwood to Andy's Kebab. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, in getting some good Greek food. <laughs> uh, the Italian Stallion says, where's the AC Milan cap? I do have an AC Milan scarf in here somewhere. Look. I'm a neutral fan of Italian football. I really, really do like it and enjoy it and all the rest of it. Um, I don't have a team in Italian football. Uh, Rob says, nice to know that aggro transfers don't involve us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We'll get into all of that stuff, as I say, on this edition of the show. If I could just remind you, before we dive Head first into the content. If you could please leave a like on the video, that really, really does help. And if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the channel, that would also be amazing because we are well on our way, well on our way now to hitting that 30,000 mark. We've crossed 29,000. We're on about 29,200, just slightly under that. So we're within about 800 subscribers of hitting that target that we wanted to hit by the end of of the year. We could be well ahead of schedule, but I need you guys' help. If you're listening on audio and you only listen on audio, why not come over and check out the YouTube channel as well? uh, Because um, you'll get some video content and you'll get some bits and pieces over the course of the season that won't be converted into audio stuff. So yeah, it's worthwhile being subscribed uh, across the multiple platforms for sure. Okay then, should we start off with the Nottingham Forest game? It's our first game of the season. If you can hear a bit of drilling outside, I'm sorry. Um, I am sorry. The the windows are open, but it's baking hot. Uh, The fans on, all the rest of it. Um, First game of the season for the Gunners, Nottingham Forest are the opponents. And this is really, really interesting because I've almost forgotten what it feels like to start a season at home. For the first time in five years, the Gunners play uh, at the Emirates on the opening weekend of the season. So, Everybody gets to go down there. We get to get all our fans together, have a little bit of a, I don't want to say a party because it's back to business now, but it's nice, isn't it, on that opening weekend to get together with people that you haven't seen all summer, share a drink, um, you know, catch up with one another. I think it's great. It's brilliant. Um, So I'm really glad that we are at Emirates on opening weekend. I'm covering the game for BBC Radio London, so I'll be there nice and early Soaking up the atmosphere, taking it all in and then providing updates throughout the afternoon on how things go at at Emirates Stadium. It's going to be it's going to be great. Fingers crossed. You know, I don't think it's going to be or I don't think we should be complacent. I know that Arsenal have had a really positive summer transfer window. A lot of good players have come in. The squad looks really, really strong. Um, Mikel Arteta confirming in his press conference earlier today that Zinchenko and Jorginho could be uh, in the squad as well, which is the last kind of two players that we expect to have back. We know that Gabi Jesus is still sidelined and when pressed on that um, and how long he might be out for, Mikel Arteta not able to give a, a real definitive answer. He said it's only been a couple of weeks. They're still kind of assessments ongoing, but he did say that he's doing well. So fingers crossed we'll get him back sooner rather than later as well. Um, But yeah, look, it's all about optimism and it's all about the buzz that comes with the first weekend of the season. Whatever you say, um, however bad the season prior was, whatever heartache you endured, you always the the great thing about football is that you can always turn over a new leaf and start again at the start of the new campaign. And that's what Arsenal uh, get to do going into this one. Look, the expectation levels are higher. There's no question about that. Yes, we should be optimistic. Yes, uh, we should be pleased um, by what we've seen over the course of the summer in terms of how we've looked to address uh, the holes in the squad and all the rest of it. But, you know, you can't take anything for granted in this division and Nottingham Forest will come there. I expect them to probably play with a back three, with wing backs, try to keep it compact in midfield. I think they'll be quite narrow. I think they'll be happy to let us play with the ball wide and, and sort of try and work the ball into the penalty area. It's one of the reasons I think that the idea or the decision around who should play up front is a bit of a no-brainer this weekend, but we'll come on to the team selection uh, in a little bit. But yeah, I'm I'm chuffed. I'm pleased. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited about what this season has to bring. And I think... Preseason season was a bit of a damp squib for Arsenal this, this summer. Not that, you know, you read too much into it or that you should read too much into it or that you should draw too many conclusions from it. But I think in comparison to the preseason we experienced last summer, this was very, very different. Yes, we got some positive results, but we also had some negative results and we looked a bit disjointed at times over the course of this summer. New players coming in, players playing different roles, all the rest of it. There is always going to be a bit of a transition when you're bringing in players that are going to come in and start that you're expecting to have an impact straight away. And on top of that, you're asking them to play slightly different roles to the ones that they've been used to. For example, we've seen Yuri and Timba play quite frequently at left-back in pre-season, not his position. Did really, really well there in the Community Shield final last weekend and props to him, but it isn't his regular position. You look at Kai Havertz, who... At times in pre-season has been asked to play as a midfielder and probably will be at times over the course of the campaign asked and required to play that role takes him getting used to you know you look at Declan Rice who very very much was a defensive midfielder in my opinion during his time at West Ham okay had the shackles taken off of him a few times towards the back end of his time there but David Moyes generally speaking a really defensive minded coach and someone that would always want to protect his back four first and foremost. So now you're asking Declan Rice to do something different. Now you're saying to Declan Rice, you go out there and you drive forward and you get into the penalty area and you be the left-sided eight that becomes a part of Arsenal's front five, essentially, when we're in possession and when we're looking to squeeze up and hurt teams. So, you know, there's there's a lot of change happening in this team. And what I would say is, although it's Nottingham Forest, um, you know, first up at home, a side that just about avoided relegation last season, a side that are expected to be there or thereabouts, in the mix at least, for relegation once again, you know, they could prove difficult opposition at the weekend. And, you know, the first couple of games of the season are always a little bit difficult to kind of get going in. You haven't quite found your rhythm. We had a little bit of a teaser last week with a kind of 80% 80% competitive game against Manchester City last time out, you know, it's it's great that we got that because it helped us gear up a bit in terms of getting ready for the new season. And I think that can be quite helpful, actually. But yeah, it's, it's a completely different proposition. And one of the things that does give me encouragement is that in seasons gone by, had Arsenal maybe gone behind early on, In the first game of the campaign, you'd have got those moans and those groans and all the rest of it. And in years gone by, I might have been a bit worried about playing at the Emirates first time around. If the transfer window hadn't necessarily turned out the way we wanted it, etc., etc. And there was still a lot playing on people's minds about this the state of the squad. But I think this time around, A, we saw last season on many occasions when Arsenal struggled. The crowd at Emirates Stadium got behind them, spurred them on, and took them to a new level. And B, when you talk about transfer shit weighing heavy on your mind, we don't have that problem because we've done our business. And that takes me on to another point that Mikel made during the press conference earlier today. He was asked about whether Arsenal are expected to do further business. Uh, he didn't say um, David Raya's name specifically. He was asked if that deal is done and he said uh, nothing to announce yet. Um, he didn't mention David Raya by name, as as you'd expect Mikel Arteta to do. Thomas Frank has been speaking today uh, ahead of uh, Brentford's opener this season as well. And he said uh, that he expects the deal to be completed soon. So that one is nearing its uh, conclusion. Don't think, um, unless Arsenal are keeping it stum at the moment, I don't think that Arsenal have managed to register David Ryer in time for this weekend's game. He'd have needed to be registered by two hours ago and at the time of recording. And as far as we know, that's not happened yet as I say, maybe Arsenal did do it. Maybe Arsenal did get it over the line and they're just not ready to announce it. I'm not sure. But at this stage, you can take um, in terms of my information that David Ryer is is not going to be available uh, for tomorrow's game. But hey, let's see. Um, But yeah, Mikel was asked about the possibility of further business. And he said, look, at the moment, we're not planning to do anything else. Um, But he did say that the market's unpredictable and all the rest of it. So he didn't rule anyone out. Uh, in terms of potential incomings. But at the same time, I think what we can take from his comments is that Arsenal at this stage are satisfied with the work that they've done over the summer. They're ready to put their feet up, sit back and focus on the football now. Uh, the transfer stuff, you know, it's not a problem for now. If any opportunities arise, just like I think the David Raya opportunity arise, to be honest with you, then I think Arsenal will be ready and Arsenal will be willing to swoop in but I don't think there is uh, much more on the current plan anyway uh, in terms of bringing further uh, acquisitions through the door but anyway um, yeah look as I say we got our business done early we know what we are Um, I thought we gave a really good account of ourselves in the community sure there's no reason for the confidence not to be high but this is a different animal now the Premier League begins and given that we know that Manchester City traditionally, and they might not be that this season, but traditionally they've been pretty slow starters. I think it's really important that we get off the ground running. I think we had a disappointing end to the last campaign and a good fast start for Arsenal would, in my opinion, just restore that confidence, that belief that maybe faded away towards the back end of that campaign. Community Shield will have done the confidence thing, the world of good. I get all of that, but this is the real thing now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the lineup, uh, the lineup that I expect Mikel Arteta to pick or the lineup that I think ultimately he should pick. Because, I mean, looking at the way things panned out last Sunday, I think that this this lineup picks itself. I don't think that this is even worth uh, too much debate. So I'm not going to spend an awful lot of time on this, but this is the side that I would go with. So Aaron Ramsdale um, will be the goalkeeper for me. Back four of Ben White, Saliba and Gabriel with Yuri and Timber continuing on at left-backer position. I thought he played really, really well in uh, last weekend. You know, he came up against a great side in Manchester City. He came up against a side that we all know are very, very capable of doing serious damage to their opponents. They weren't really that effective in terms of creating chances against us. Aaron Ramsdale made a really good save from Phil Foden in the second half. There was Cole Palmer's goal, of course, which was wonderfully taken. But generally speaking, I thought Arsenal defended really, really well. Midfield, I thought, had a great balance to it. Partey, Rice and Odegaard uh, were the midfield three last Sunday. And I would continue with that midfield three. Now, the reason I think that this gives us the best balance is because it allows us to be flexible in game. We started the game on Sunday last week trying to push really high up the pitch and press really high up the pitch. And when Arsenal and Arteta realised that that wasn't quite working in the way that they'd hoped, they had that ability to basically tell Declan Rice to drop that little bit deeper and become a kind of double pivot with Thomas Partey at times, just to give us that little bit more solidity. Kai Havertz, who was playing at the nine, in the nine position, who's spent the summer figuring out how to play in a deeper role, was then asked off the ball to drop into that deeper role. And that gave us a little bit more stability, I thought. And so having Rice and Partey, yep, you can play the way we played for large periods last season, where you push that left eight right up the pitch and into the opposition's penalty area almost. But you can also revert back to a slightly sturdier system and formation. So I expect us to have loads of the ball against Forrest. I expect it to be one-way traffic for the most part. And I expect us to be knocking the ball around, trying to find a breakthrough. But I think to have that flexibility is is key and is, is what you want. And look, maybe if Gabby Jesus was fit, there's an argument that says you play Kai Havertz in the midfield. Me personally, I wouldn't do it because uh, I think he still needs to learn the role a little bit more. And I do think it weakens us just a little bit defensively as well, which would be a concern in any Premier League game, no matter who the opponent is. But with Gabby Jesus out, I think Kai Havertz is required in another position and that's why I've put him up front and through the middle in my selection for this game. Saka Martinelli either side. There is a case to be made for Leandro Trossard as well, who to me has been Arsenal's best player in preseason in terms of performance levels and making sure that those performance levels are consistent. But I think this is the team that I go with. Now, people might question um, the uh, the Kai Havertz thing, you know, with regards to him uh, being up front. People will say, well, hold on a minute. You know, um, I'm not sure about that. You know, it didn't really work at Chelsea. It didn't really click. Um, it wasn't it, it wasn't the way to get the best out of him. But I thought he offered a lot at the weekend. I thought he did really, really well in terms of holding the ball up at times. Some lovely touches to bring the ball down out of the air and then using his big kind of tall lanky figure, if you like. He was able to hold off challenges and just buy himself that little bit of time, allowing people to get up and support him and then pinging it left or right. Got into some really good goal scoring positions. Probably should have scored a goal. Didn't, of course, but should have really, uh, given the positions that he got himself into. Look, he's not the most clinical striker on the planet. I think we can all agree with that. And a bit like when we signed Gabriel Jesus, you got to you've got to realise what we're signing and what we brought into the club. And we didn't bring Kai Havertz in to score 25 goals. We brought Kai Havertz in because he has other attributes. And if he can contribute a lot of goals, you know, yeah, there'll be a baseline in terms of what we're expecting from him in terms of goals. I think he has to get double figures in the league at the absolute minimum. But it wasn't the fact that he's a cold-blooded finisher is what I'm saying that that made Mikel Arteta and Arsenal pull the trigger on him um, in a £65 million deal. So yeah, let's see. Um, Let's see. But for me, he would start up front because I think he did pretty well. I think his height could be key in a game like this as well, where we are going to be forced into the wide areas. Not saying that Arsenal are just going to work it wide and lump crosses into the penalty area aimlessly or go route one or anything like that. But his height certainly brings a different threat. I don't think Eddie Nketiah would have too much joy in a game like this. I thought his real strength or or what he showed when he came on last weekend was his ability to run the channels, the energy that he had and all of that stuff. You're not going to get to do that against a side that are going to sit on the edge of their penalty area and almost let you have the ball and say, here you go, um, you break us down. And as good as Steve Cooper is as a manager and as much as he will say that their intention is is different, then, you know, you know that that's what you're going to get ultimately, right, from Nottingham Forest. Um, This weekend. Uh, Big thank you to David Tamayo, who's just signed up uh, to become a member on the YouTube channel. Thank you so, so much, mate. I really, really uh, do appreciate it, honestly. Um, okay, let's take some of your comments on my lineup because there are a few coming through uh, at the moment. USA Guna says uh, Trossard has earned a starting spot, in my opinion. Uh, Richie says uh, I agree. Maybe Trossard instead of Kai. Uh, Damien Kelly wants to see Trossard in the side ahead of Martinelli. Moss says uh, Trossard has been hot. Uh, Fuad also wants to see Trossard in the side. Look, I agree with you that Leandro Trossard is looking brilliant. And I agree with you that Leandro Trossard is probably deserving purely on merit of a place in the side. But what I would say is this. Over the course of this season, having players that are going to be able to come on and impact games, impactors, if you like, Um, finishers, as Mikel Arteta calls them, players that you bring on to get you over the line in terms of needing a goal or to kill off a game, they're going to be really, really important. And football, more than ever, is a squad game. And Leandro Trossard, for me, is a finisher. He's a killer. He is someone that you want to bring on in certain situations where maybe there's a few tired legs. Maybe there's a lapse in concentration caused by tiredness on the horizon from your opponent. I just think that Martinelli was so good last season, so effective and brings something really different, which is this burst of energy and this directness. I think for me, he should be starting in the side. I I don't think Martinelli's done anything for me to go, well, you've lost your place. Yes, you want that meritocracy and you want players to be able to, if they perform, be knocking on the door. But for me, Martinelli starts the season on the left wing. I, I listen to... I don't know if you guys caught it. I know we spoke about it briefly or we touched on it on a recent show. There was that um, interview that Zinchenko did with um, with Rio Ferdinand on his channel ahead of the game for Ukraine. And he talked to Zinchenko about his role and what the inverted role entails and what the, the ideology behind it is and all the rest of it. But I thought the most interesting part of that was and and maybe this wasn't the, the intended kind of highlight of the discussion, but the interesting point he made was when he said that the reason he likes to come in field is because if the winger comes with him or, or one of the reasons is because if the winger comes with him, that allows Gabriel Martinelli the space and freedom of the left-hand side so that if you ping the ball out to him, he's literally isolating the fullback. And I think with his explosive pace, his directness um, and his energy levels, I think that Martinelli, for me, is the one that you want isolating fullbacks more than anyone in the Arsenal side. People will argue maybe Saka, and I agree that Saka's excellent when he isolates his man and he cuts inside. But Martinelli's got so much pace that he can come inside you or he can knock it on the outside of you turn the burners on go around the outside of you and come back in across the byline that's something that martinelli's really really good and strong at doing so for me he is still the one people feel free to disagree and um, and i respect that opinion but for me it's martinelli that should start the game uh, coming up against Nottingham Forest. Haven't got any season stats to, to sort of throw into the preview like we normally do because obviously it's the first game. Uh, don't want to go back over last season because things are very, very different now on both sides. Both teams look different. Arsenal are going to have at least, in my opinion, three players in the starting 11 that, that weren't even at the club last time out. Uh, Nottingham Forest have, have brought some players in as well. I think their team's going to look a little bit different um, so yeah, let's see. Um, let's see how it goes. Not too much to go by in terms of recent evidence, but it should be an interesting game. My prediction for this one is going to be Arsenal three Nottingham forest. nil. It's the prediction I gave yesterday on the 90 min show. And I'm going to stick with that. Nothing I've thought about over the last 24 hours or so has changed my mind on that. So, uh, I'm going to stick with that. Arsenal three Nottingham forest is my prediction. Get some of your predictions uh, in the live chat box as well. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys, and I'll read some of those out uh, before we continue. Um, uh, before we continue on, and uh, yeah, get them into the chat box. Also, just going to quickly remind you: if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video, guys. Across the multiple platforms, there's at least four hundred of you with me live right now. There's only ninety-two likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have a couple of hundred likes at least. So please do like, subscribe. That really, really does help. And if you're listening on the audio platforms, then please do leave us a review there as well, because that also really, really helps. We're going to take a really short pause. Then we're going to get some of your predictions. And then uh, we're going to chat about the transfer madness that is currently going on. We're also going to bring you an update on David Raya's move to Arsenal, which we think is getting close up by the minute. We'll bring you the latest on that. And of course, we'll talk Kane, we'll talk Kaiseido and take your thoughts from the chat box. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna. Let's take some of these predictions then. Jeff has gone for 6-1. Uh, Kenny says 2-0 uh ck says be happy with a two nil. i'll be happy with three points uh, regardless of how it comes uh williams says four nil to the arsenal we've got two nil uh from alola moose um he says turner's going to make a few ridiculous saves i did wonder if arsenal are going to kind of stall on that deal in order to make matt turner unavailable essentially for this one but they've obviously obviously not too concerned by that uh, alex has gone for a two nil um Adair has gone for a comfortable 3-0 result. He's even gone and named some goal scorers, Saka Odegaard and Gabriel. I'd love to see Gabriel come up from a corner. Uh, one of our most underrated players for me. Uh, Damien Kelly's gone 5-0. USA Gunas has gone at 3-0. Um, we've got God's Power uh, says, wow, thank God it's another season again. I think 4-0. Um, Across the Pond has gone with... Hold on a second. At uh, two 2-0, Saka and Trossard to be the scorers. Uh, Wes doesn't make predictions. Um, yeah, if, if you're bad at them or you you jinx things, because there are people out there, I believe that are jinxes, uh, then it's probably for the best that you don't um, <laughs> that you don't make a prediction. But anyway, let's uh, let's do some transfer chat because um, there is lots and lots, as I say, to get into, isn't there? Uh, we're going to talk Kane. We're going to talk Kai Seda, We're going to do all of that madness in a few moments time, but we're going to start off uh, with David Raya. Um, Fabrizio Romano has uh, quoted Thomas Frank, uh, who has been speaking, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, about this. He says he expects the deal to be completed soon. Uh, He says that David Raya is on the verge of joining Arsenal, basically. Fabrizio Romano says the medical has been done and the club statement is pending, so uh, we should get some confirmation on that in the not-too-distant future. Um, We've got to talk a little bit about Harry Kane. Uh, This is crazy, uh, the way this has unfolded. Yesterday morning, it emerged that Bayern Munich had agreed a fee with Tottenham Hotspur uh, to sign Harry Kane. And then shortly after that, this debate begun uh, around whether or not Kane should go to Bayern Munich and whether or not he should stay in the Premier League for one more year, run his contract down and then have a pick of clubs Uh, that he could possibly go to listen one of the things that's really pissed me off over the last 24 hours i gotta be honest about this is the disrespect shown to a footballing institution like Bayern munich they are six-time european champions and i'm not including europa leagues and europa conference leagues i'm talking about the big one six-time european champions how many times have arsenal and spurs won that between them zero in terms of the big one the big european cup and the point I've been trying to make to some friends of mine that are Spurs fans, Dan De Luca in particular, who's been on this show many a times, who many of you will be familiar with. This is undoubtedly an upward step for Harry Kane. You can sit and you can slag off the Bundesliga all you like, and you can say it's a one-team league. Manchester City have won five of the last six Premier League titles. It's not like our league has all that much variety to it either. The point I'm trying to make here is that Bayern Munich are a huge, huge football club. There is an argument. There is a debate around whether they're bigger than Arsenal, let alone Tottenham Hotspur. This is one of European football's great institutions. This is one of European football royal clubs. And to, to suggest that Harry Kane is wrong in any way, shape or form for wanting to take this move, I think is mad. And it's that Premier League bias that we see in the English media rearing its ugly head again people saying it's crazy it's mad it's not the right move it's a it's in like as if his titles that he's gonna win there he could win one as early as tomorrow as if that is going to be meaningless because it's in Germany with Bayern Munich it's a nonsense that football exists outside of the Premier League and um, and this arrogance that we hear people kind of I don't know, portray or or sort of or, or that comes through when people speak about clubs like Bayern Munich it drives me absolutely mad. It really, really does. Um, so yesterday, this debate went on about whether Kane would accept it or not. Sky Sports reported that it was increasingly likely that Harry Kane would stay. But yesterday evening, we heard that he'd given the green light to the move and that that deal was imminent. This morning, it was said that Harry Kane was going to travel off to Germany to undergo his medical Then it was said that he was waiting because of some issues with the deal. Tottenham say that there's no problem with the deal and that he's free to go. Harry Kane apparently, though, at the time of recording, waiting for Bayern to say, um, you know, that everything's okay for him to make that trip. Now, Ange Postacoglu, the Spurs boss, who I actually kind of like and I shouldn't because he's the Spurs boss. But I feel a bit sorry for him because... He's just had this shit hanging over him ever since he took this job. He's had to deal with questions about it every time. And I think there'll be a part of him, yes, that will be disappointed at the fact that the club have allowed a player of Harry Kane's calibre to go. It makes his job harder. But at the same time, I think he'll be delighted that this has been wrapped up. I think he would have known that it was coming. There would have been conversations between Ange Postacoglu and Harry Kane, and I'm pretty sure... Kane would have made it clear what his intentions were. Poster Coglu said this, it looks like Kane to Bayern is going to happen. So we move forward without Harry. We've been planning this for a while. A lot of our business up until now was with that in mind. Doesn't change uh, my uh, plans dramatically. Look, what does this mean for Tottenham going forward? Well, for me, it weakens them significantly, but it's something that needed to happen. You know, they are a club that need to rebuild. I've been saying this ever since they lost that Champions League final uh, to Liverpool. There needs to be a refresh. They need to bring a new group of players in. They need to build something new. And if if Harry Kane had stayed, they'd have only spent another season every time he scored a goal, talking about, oh no, what's going to happen with Harry Kane at the su- in the summer? So it would have been unhelpful either way in some respects. Do you know what I mean? So I think... For, for Harry Kane to go, I think it weakens Spurs and any sort of thoughts I had about them maybe forcing their way back into Champions League place contention disappear now with Harry Kane gone because that's immediately 30 goals out of your team. But I think for Spurs in the long run, it's kind of what's needed. But just seeing some of the reaction and seeing Spurs fans and pundits associated with them also trying to shit on Bayern Munich and and their size and the appeal of that football club, um, to me, is just a sign of how much they're hurting. And as an Arsenal man, I can't say that I'm not enjoying that. (laughs) Uh, So Harry Kane is on his way to Bayern Munich to finally win things. And look, now that he's leaving Tottenham, we can say that Harry Kane is a great footballer. We can say that Harry Kane is excellent. We can say that Harry Kane deserves to win trophies based on his talent and he will do that at Bayern Munich. Um, There's no question about that. Uh, We've also got to talk a a little bit about uh, Lucas Paqueta. I did want to discuss this just briefly. West Ham digging their heels in when it came to Declan Rice being really, really difficult in negotiations, but also leaking shit to the press. That was the bit that really annoyed me about the, the Declan Rice saga. I understand that West Ham have a duty and that the, the, directors and stuff have a duty to their own football club to get the best deal possible. But the way they went about it, I thought was a little bit classless at times. Well, now they're on the receiving end of Manchester City coming in and trying to bully them into selling another key player, Lucas Paqueta. David Moyes says that West Ham have received an offer from Manchester City, but at the moment it's not anywhere near meeting our valuation. Now, unlike Declan Rice, I'm pretty sure that if this drags on, Lucas Paqueta will throw his toys out of the pram and Lucas Paqueta will make life difficult for West Ham, putting them in a position where they're probably going to have to compromise on their asking price. You know, kind of what goes around comes around, isn't it? I guess. Um, I did want to talk about uh, Moises Caicedo as well. This is another mad one. It looked like Chelsea were the front runners for him. And then Chelsea made an offer on... Thursday, Wednesday night, for uh, for Romeo Lavia, which suggested that maybe they were worried about the Caicedo deal. It then emerged late last night that Liverpool had gazumped Chelsea and offered a crazy figure of what 111 million pounds for Moisés Caicedo, which Brighton had accepted. We were all expecting this morning Moisés Caicedo to head up to Merseyside, undergo his medical, and wrap up that deal. But in the last couple of hours. Moises Caicedo, has informed Liverpool that he only wants to join Chelsea. Some are saying that he's open to both moves. um, But according to Fabrizio Romano, he has decided to keep his word and only accept Chelsea's offer because the personal terms between uh, the club and himself and his party have been agreed since May. Uh, Chelsea apparently are set to bid again in order to get a deal done uh, with Brighton. Now, this this is wild. And the reason this is wild is because Jurgen Klopp, not that long ago, said he'd never pay £100 million for a player, even if Liverpool had the money, because it's just not the way he does things. He was pulled up on that today, and he kind of had to pivot and say, look, I don't like it, but I have to accept I was wrong, all the rest of it. Liverpool went and made that massive bid, and people were getting excited and calling Caicedo the transformative signing that Liverpool need to return to the pinnacle of the Premier League. But man, this is... Like personally, I'd rather play for Liverpool than Chelsea. If I were a footballer, the appeal of playing at Anfield with Liverpool would appeal to me way more than playing at Stamford Bridge every week. But then there's that London factor, which I know people hate hearing about. But it is a thing, particularly for foreign players, when they come over. Because I think, you know, somebody like Caicedo of a South American culture, he can probably, he can probably... Live his culture that little bit more in London because of the diversity of London um, in comparison to other places. You know, there's that factor. It's not the be all and end all, but it is a factor. I really, really do believe that, and I think that's why you see a lot of players. I know Kyed has been in Brighton, but Brighton is not a million miles from London. Merseyside is. Um, so yeah, this is really, really interesting. I just think it's really embarrassing for Liverpool because not only did they make that offer, they publicly spoke about it as well. Jurgen Klopp confirmed that that offer had been made and accepted by Brighton. He did say, I don't know what that means and all the rest of it, but to to have got that far in a negotiation only for the player to then hit the brakes and almost start begging and willing Chelsea to come in and, and match Brighton's valuation to me is crazy. Brighton have played an absolute blinder here, by the way, putting that deadline of midnight last night for bids um, in. Look how it's gone. You know, they they stand now to gain a lot of money for a player. I think they paid three and a half, four million pounds-ish for uh, not that long ago. He's only had one good season in the Premier League, more as this Caicedo, And I know people will make the comparison to what we paid for Declan Rice and they'll say, well, Caicedo's younger and he's got a higher ceiling and all the rest of it. There is no, there is not as much evidence that Kaiseido is going to go on to a higher level as there is around Declan Rice. Yes, Rice is a bit older, but he's been doing it in the league for a number of years now. Caicedo had that one good season. And so for his value to shoot up from the £4 million that Brighton paid to acquire him to £111 million, which is the offer that Liverpool had accepted, I think is wild. And I'm not sticking the boot in on Liverpool. I'm not going to, criticize Chelsea if they go on and pay that money either that's the way the market is these days we can go through a long discussion and debate around the clubs that broke the transfer market but one thing is for sure it is broken particularly when you're talking about deals between Premier League clubs this has gone wild it's out of hand it's out of control and the prices we're talking about are just crazy they really really are so those are kind of the big stories I wanted to talk about outside of the Arsenal sphere as well um, if you've got any thoughts on them, get involved in the chat, start getting some questions in. Uh, I'm going to take a few of your questions before, uh, I say my goodbye. It's going to take a very, very short pause. And then, uh, we're going to run through the chat box and see what you guys have to say on those subjects. But just once again, quick reminder, like, if you haven't done so already, you wanted to get to 200 likes, we're a fair way off of that. So, uh, please help out subscribe to the channel. If your brand's banking new as well, if you're listening on audio, then leave us a review. And if you haven't got your tickets yet to the Guna Talk TV's live show on Sunday, the link is in the description. Get involved if you're in the London area. We would love to see you down there. Right, short pause and we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Okay, 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 okay. Let's uh, let's take some of your thoughts um, from the live chat box. Uh, Robbie says... Uh, Caicedo only wants Chelsea. Glad we didn't get him. Can appreciate the idea of wanting to work, develop under Maurizio Positino, but Liverpool is a better choice, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> there's a few comments that I won't read out, but yeah. <laughs> um, what have we got? Um, Gary Griffin says, it puts to bed the notion Liverpool didn't have enough to get Bellingham. You're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what. what would be kind of, really shitty for Liverpool now would be that if they then go, okay, look, we can't get Caicedo. Let's turn our attention back to Lavia. And all of a sudden, Southampton say, well, we wanted 50, but you've clearly got money. So let's push it up to 70 million, 75 million. You know, they could really, really um, cause Liverpool problems off the back of Liverpool, essentially showing their hand when it comes to Uh, the Caicedo uh, negotiations. Uh, Damian Kelly says, uh, Harry, is the cap a Barella clue? Is he coming? And David says, "Um, have you heard anything about Barella, Baligan and Cash? I haven't heard anything about Barella. As far as I understand, at this moment in time, he is not a target for Arsenal. I don't think Inter have any intention of letting him go either. USA Guna says, what are your thoughts on the continued links of Partey to Juventus? He has got to stay, in my opinion. I think he will. I don't think Juventus are able to cough up the money that Arsenal would need to even consider the Partey sell. And I think Arteta's assessed his midfield options, understands that without Thomas Partey would be even shorter. I would argue we're a little bit short as it is, and I don't think that's going to happen. So I won't worry uh, too much about that. Um, what else have we got? Do, 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 do. Um. What else have we got? And to get an easier time. lots of you asking the question about Liverpool and and like why you know they allowed Bellingham to kind of go to Real Madrid for that price. If they had the money in the first place. Yeah, you you know, you're right. It's a valid point. Uh, Rudy says, for me, this Caicedo deal stinks. Boley paid Caicedo and told him that he's only signing for Chelsea. So obvious that there wasn't real competition in this deal in the first place. But I mean, have Liverpool spoken to his people, got an indication that he'd be interested and then proceeded to make the offer? You'd imagine that's what they'd have done. They're not that naive and stupid to have gone and made that offer without checking at any point that Moses Caicedo was interested in coming. And it's the same thing I said about the Harry Kane thing yesterday when people were saying oh he's definitely going to reject them. There was a chance that he'd reject them, of course, because you know that move means leaving England. It means uprooting his family, all the rest of it. But as I kept saying yesterday when we were talking about it on 90 Min, at no point. Did I think that would I think that by minute would go as far as they did, make as public a song and dance about it as they did, if they didn't have some assurances from the player uh, that he was interested in the move? So you can only assume that Liverpool haven't been that naive and silly, um, and that they did some checks. And it's Moises Caicedo who, or, or maybe his people, not necessarily him directly, who have been toying with Liverpool a little bit here um, and trying to kind of push. Um, Trying to push Chelsea into action um, with regards to meeting Brighton's asking price. Big shout out to Lewis, who says, look forward to seeing you Sunday, Harry. And you, mate. He says, regarding our business, overpaid a bit to secure our targets preseason. Football is the priority, though, not asset value. Spurs and Liverpool wish they'd been in our position. I mean, it's so good, isn't it, to go into a campaign, um, like knowing that you don't have to get involved in all these shenanigans at the back end of the window. Um, and that you can just focus on the football and focus on getting off to a good start. There'll be a lot of clubs that will go into the new campaign without their squads being fully settled. You know, we will probably have players that leave, that depart. We'll have David Raya come in, but, you know, generally the squad is pretty settled. The players that will be leaving probably know they're leaving from now. And so there isn't going to be any sort of disruption or anything like that when we do make those moves and, and when they do have to move on but yeah you um you know you you don't want to be in this position going into the season that's for sure because it just means sometimes a slow start and a slow start can leave you falling behind and when you're up against a side like Manchester city for example, you can ill afford uh, to waste opportunities as we found out last season. Right, guys, I am going to leave it there. Um, I really, really do appreciate uh, you guys joining me for this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Uh, Not that much of an in-depth preview this time around because it is the first game of the season. There's not much to go by, uh, not on either side. But we will, of course, bring you further, more in-depth preview shows ahead of each Premier League game. We'll also be doing it on the Champions League games as well. I'm really looking forward to being back in that Man, can't wait. The other thing that I wanted to mention that I completely forgot about up until now, thank God it's just come into my mind. Do you want to play fantasy football with us on the Premier League's website? We had a league last season. I've logged in this morning and reinstated that league. The Chronicles of Aguna League is active. So if you are playing fantasy football and you want to get involved, there will be um lots of reference to it over the course of the season. Uh, you can find the link in the description below. If you go into the description below, there's the link. that If you click on it, it will auto sign you up into the league. Those of you that have reinstated your teams from last season uh, that were in the league, I think go in there automatically. But if you just want to click the link in the description, get involved and uh, and join me in that. Uh, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. I will see you all tomorrow. Uh, we'll be able to bring you the post-match podcast Uh, on the same day because it's a home game. Uh, It's an early kickoff, so I'll be home in good time and I'll be able to get that piece of content out to you uh, ASAP. Um, So really, really looking forward to hopefully dissecting Arsenal's first win of the Premier League season. Like, subscribe, share, all the rest of it. Get involved in the comments. I'll see you all tomorrow. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.